Genesis chapter 19. Thank you, worship team. Thank you for the labor and the faithfulness. Genesis chapter 19 this morning. In my years of pastoring and uh, my years of being a pastor, I have found that one of the most tedious group of people to help are those who refuse to let go of the past. I have seen through the years in my ministry, there are those who judge you based on the past experiences that they've had. And there's nothing you seem to be able to do to win them when they've made their judgments in their minds about you because of a past encounter they had elsewhere. I realize no matter how nice you are, no matter how polite, no matter how gentle you are, many of these people who lived in the past have gotten a preconceived judgment about you. When you try to be nice to them, when you try to go the extra mile with them, you find this pushback that they begin to have in them naturally. They have double thoughts and they begin to have this sense in them of hostility and apprehensiveness. And you wonder to yourself, why is there the existence of animosity? And when you look at it closely, you realize that somehow the past has influenced their presence. I was speaking to a lady yesterday, my wife and I attended a funeral. We were told that her husband passed away and uh, she asked if we would come and attend the funeral and pray. And so we went for the funeral and as we were there, we were talking to this lady and she was beginning to share with us that she cannot seem to forgive her brother-in-law. Her brother-in-law had married, obviously, her sister, and the sister died, passed away, and in a short span of, I think, two or three months, she said, this man remarried. So to her, she struggled to accept this. But why I'm sharing this with you is because she made this statement after years had gone by. She said, I will still not forgive him. I will not talk to him. In fact, she said, Pastor, if you have time, I will talk to you and get about it. And I want to tell you, but now's not the right time, she said. But I realized how many times people who dwell in the past Oftentimes, and rightfully so, may be facing some kind of hurt or pain. The past has been a memory that seemed to be hard to do away with. But oftentimes, you find that someone who dwells in the past, often talking about the past. I want to preach to you this morning. Use the time I have with you. Sermon I call, Dwelling in the Past. You see, you can never move forward without letting go of the past. 
The past will always hold you hostage from moving forward. This is the reality of life. And I'm referring to moments that we often attribute to regrets, hurts, memories that are painful. You probably have heard the story about a taxi driver who was driving on the street with a passenger. And all of a sudden, as he was driving, this passenger leaned forward. The passenger was sitting in the back, leaned forward and he knocked on the, the back seat of the taxi driver. The taxi driver at that time immediately began to scream, jumped in the air and began to yank the wheel over. The car mounted over the curb, demolished a lamppost and came to a stop inches away from a shop window. The startled passenger said, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to frighten you. <laughs> to which the cab driver turned around and said, Sir, it's not your fault. It's my first day as a cab driver. I've actually been driving a hearse for the past 25 years. <laughs> and so for the many the past carries a very different sentiment and flavor for you. Maybe for many, just like the taxi driver, the past and what you used to be doing before causes you to lose control in the now. You get angry. You throw a fit. It seems that when the past comes back to you, it upsets you. You begin to uh, get all flustered up and your mind becomes so uh, messed up that you have no clarity. And this can be the reality. I know that we're laughing about that story, but the truth is, the truth be told, beloved, just like that taxi driver, sometimes we are reminded of the past causes us to lose control in the present. I want to talk to you from the book of Genesis chapter 19. I got this text message from Brother Dennis a few days ago and his sermon came from that. Part of what I'm preaching this morning was inspired from that text. I want you to look at this text with me. Genesis 19. 24 to 29. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back, the Bible says, behind him. She became a pillar of salt. Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord, then he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain, and he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land which went, which went up like the smoke of a furnace, it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham and sent Lord out of the midst to over of the overthrow. And when he overthrew the cities, in which Lord had dwelt. You see, our text this morning refers to a city known as Sodom and Gomorrah. And God has told Abraham that he is going to destroy this city 
Why? Because of their wickedness. There was all kinds of immoral, incest, sin, vice. And God began to look upon this and God said, this is not tolerable. God will not tolerate this sin. And so God was going to destroy them. The Bible tells us in verses 12, in fact, uh, uh, that the angel uh, instructed Lot and his family to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. And in verses 17, the instruction was made very clear as you escape to the mountains. Verses 17, the Bible says, do not look behind you. So the angel understood, number one, that there was always going to be the tendency to look back. Yeah. Then the angel also understood that unless they keep their eyes forward, they will never reach the mountain. Our text tells us that Lord's wife looked back. I called and titled the sermon, Dwelling in the Past for a Reason. Because the Hebrew word in this text, looked back, is the word Nova, N-A-W-B-A-T. Interestingly, this word describes to regard with pleasure. Please think with me for a few moments. To regard with pleasure, to regard with favor or care, to consider and behold. So the truth be told this morning, his wife didn't just look back, but essentially the virtue of looking was not the issue, but the spirit behind her action was the issue. Ecclesiastes 7.10 says, Do not say, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. See, Solomon said, Why? Why do you look at the former days and consider them to be better than what God has done in your life today, right now? And he goes on to say, You do not inquire wisely when you give thought in this manner. This was in fact one of the very first scriptures I read when I began to do, uh, when I began to seriously study the Bible. I remember this was one of the very first texts I came across that inspired me to dig deeper into the Word of God. And today, as I said with Lot's wife, the only thing you can remember about Lot's wife is that she was a pillar of salt. Her name was not even mentioned in the Bible. So let's call her pillar of salt. We can look back. We can dwell with our thoughts. Just like her, the Bible says this word nobod. She looked back with pleasure and favor and care. She looked back with consideration to behold. So I wonder, beloved, how many times we can look back at the situations and the times and the seasons of the past and begin to desire the undesirable. 
we can begin to entertain the thoughts that are ungodly and unpleasant to God. God who wants to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. God who looks at the and displays Sodom and Gomorrah. He is displeased with it. There is wickedness that's existing. And God begins to look at it in unpleasantness. But here is Lot's wife. As she refers and reflects back, she looks at it from a different spirit. To entertain, we can do the same. We can entertain the thoughts that are ungodly. We can entertain the past thoughts that were unpleasant and give it place in our lives and in our minds. There's a word being used in the psychology world and it's called ruminating. This word is a word that describes a compulsively focused attention. It speaks of overthinking, of being obsessed over life events. The process of dwelling on the past events that cannot be changed. Ruminating. Lord's wife was ruminating, looking back and dwelling on the events of the what about us this morning? Are we looking back at what God has brought us out of? And our hearts being out, are our hearts filled with regrets that, oh, if only I can go back there. If only I can embrace that lifestyle again. If only I can embrace that ungodliness again. Be careful when those desires begin to resonate in our hearts. Lot's wife turned into a pillar of salt. You see, the very thing that she refused to let go of was the very thing that crippled her from moving forward. Yeah. You and I cannot carry our past into the future without being paralyzed. Our refusal to let go of the past pain and hurt can halt us from our destiny with God. You yeah. see, the rest of the family went on. The rest of the family continued on their journey. They began to proceed forward, but Lot's wife was paralyzed. Lot's wife was stopped. She was halted because she was refusing to let go of the past. My grandfather is a man who grew up in a very abusive environment. His dad was a very abusive person, my great-grandfather. And until today, though he is about 80 years of age, he still constantly talks about the past. He refuses to let go of it. There's bitterness. There's hurt. There's anger. And the conversations that you carry out with him are seasoned with these things. And he wants to continue to dwell in that place. You see, to others as a preaching, it may be an abusive marriage. Might be childhood, betrayal, violation. You may have left Sodom and Gomorrah. No longer are you presently in there 
physically, but your heart and your mind remains there. Life has gone on, but you can never seem to get past that chapter and that season and it has tortured you from progress. So give me to describe your Maybe it seems like you can never seem to excel or accelerate. Maybe every time you take a step forward, it seems like you're taking two steps back. Every time you seem to want to go somewhere, you are reminded of the past when someone condemned you, when someone spoke and belittled you, when someone began to bring words of mocking and criticism, and it seems like you begin to dwell in that place. You are physically no longer there, but your mind is still present there. You heard Pastor Campbell say, you can leave Egypt, but many cannot take Egypt out of there. Physically, they walked out of Egypt, but mentally, they're still in Egypt. Yep. And I say to you that there are people, under the sound of my voice, this is the very thing that stops you from being able to move on in life. The past. It seems like you always hit a wall. You know, we are living in a time now they say that the, the fight is not over yet with COVID-19. But you know, unless we're living under a rock, the way things are going now has changed. You can no longer operate the same way like we used to in the past. There are many things that they are proposing now. We have to adapt, we have to change, we have to uh, embrace differently. And I remember listening to many different people make comments on that. I remember sitting in a session with someone. And uh, I was told that, you know what, now, even doing certain things online are so old-fashioned. <laughs> even on the online platform, there are many different ways of doing things. Mm. I was just talking to someone last night who's a... Uh, involved in marketing for, for, for many years and he was telling me this pastor things have changed. There have been a radical change. He's uh, uh, talking to someone, giving them business ideas and business plans and he's teaching them how it's important to start doing demos in products that you're trying to sell today. Bring in students that can do demos so that people can watch. And, and it's, just, it's not just selling anymore, it's demonstration, it's different ways of doing things because somehow we're living in an age that we must move forward. And the truth is, I'm not advocating anything besides what I'm preaching on today. You cannot live in the past. No. If you continue to live in the past, you will fail to move forward in the future. So let's bring this down. Because in God's providence, one of the things you find in this passage is God's involvement 
with Lot and his family. And according to this text, and according to what we see, he moved them away so that they could be vindicated. And I want to say to you, there are times God moves us away from things in his providence, in him understanding the future, the present, and the past, in God's ability to understand what he's doing and the mysteries that we don't even understand about, God moves us forward because he wants to vindicate and protect us. In the book of Isaiah 43, 18 to 19, the Bible says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You see, there are seasons and chapters that we cannot and we could not have avoided, no matter how well we handled it. There are things you've gone through. It could be an abusive relationship. It could be a violation of the past. It could be a problem that has triggered and you have been hurt from it. But in the free will of humanity, in the free will that God gave all of humanity, the harm, the hurt, the pain are man's doing and it's not God's fault. We often ask ourselves, why did I have to go through that? Why did God allow them to abuse me? No. God gave them free will. And they violated that free will to get what they want. You see, how many times people blame God for their past? When I see and I read this text, God seemed to be so keen in taking them out from here. God removed Lot and his family from the land they dwelt in in verses 29. God destroyed the cities of the plain. God, the Bible says, remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. See, God in the same manner removes us to vindicate us. Why does God take certain people away from us? Why does God remove us from certain settings? Sometimes we see it as a brutal, violent action. But I tell you, beloved, God sees more than these And sometimes God understands that there are violations, abuse, ungodliness, and He's delivering us out from that. See, God is always trying to lead us out. But just like Lot in verses 18 and 19 of our text, or rather in the, in the previous uh, uh, few verses before, he tried to negotiate and wiggle his way from leaving, going where he wants to go. Here the angel showed up to Lot, and the angel told Lot, you know, you need to go to the mountain, and Lot is negotiating with him. Please know my Lord in verses 18. How many times have we, have we responded in such manner? No God. No, don't take me out of that. No God, don't remove me from that. I like it. And God is simply saying, no, that's the path. You've got to move forward. But how many times we negotiate? We make excuses. 
I'm familiar with this. I'm used to this. And God is warning and God is trying to send angels to us. And He's trying to alert us from going forward. And we continue to press on. So does 13. 17 profoundly describes God's method in Scripture. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, but God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines. Although, listen, listen, although that was near, it was only logical for God to lead them that way. But God didn't. He says, lest perhaps the people change their mind when they see war. So God took them on a longer route on purpose. I was working in a company in 2008, 2010, uh, actually more like 2010. And I remember God began to do a very quick work as I was working there, and, and we saw God move in many ways as as uh, I began to labor. But there came a time where we took the church and God began to deal with me. God began to speak at that time. I remember so vividly that I needed to give up that job and move on full time. I was hesitant at first. I was reluctant. And I remember telling my boss, I said, look, you know what, we have to make this decision. We are in a place where uh, my wife and I, as we pastor the church, the church needs us, we need to be around, we need to avail ourselves. And at that point, we simply, at that at the juncture, trust God. We needed to just trust God. We had no idea how everything was going to play out. We had no idea uh, how God was going to provide and essentially it wasn't the best plan in our mind. Just like Lord, we didn't want to go to the mountain. We wanted to negotiate. God, can there be a different way? Is there a better way to do this? And so on and so forth. I remember my friend, a friend of mine, was sitting down with me. And uh, he said, don't leave. We need you here. And he got upset with me because I said, look, man, I have to go. Because I need to have time for church. So after I left, a few months went by. I began to get all kinds of updates from different people in the office. The boss began playing games with the salary. He stopped paying the salary. He was abusive in many ways. He would talk bad about the different people in the office. He was ruthless to a certain degree, wicked. We did all of these. And I can only simply say, I don't know all of God's plan, but I know that I can trust Him to be the best for me. And that was something that became a lesson to me, that God removed me to vindicate me. And that is true with so many of us. You see, we can change not the past that have gone, but we can change the present and the future. 
We have the power to determine what we are going to see when we look back one year, two years, three years down the road, that there will be regrets or not. If there will be moments that we would have regretted making the decisions we made. So this is why we as believers must learn to hear from God. Because God wants to vindicate his children. Another interesting parallel to this text. Bible says in verse 29, God remembers Abraham. This is a powerful attribute. Because Abraham prayed that God will not destroy the righteous. Genesis 18, 23. When Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? See, God vindicating law was an answer to Abraham's prayer. God responded to Abraham by saving his nephew's law. I want to make mention here and emphasize on the power of our prayer. You see, it is not redundant. For God will be vindicating our children and our spouse from danger because we pray. Abraham prayed and God vindicated Lot, his nephew. God destroyed that entire land. God destroyed them all. But Abraham said, God, if there were 50 righteous people, would you so protect the land? God said, would if there were 30 people? God, if there were 10, and God said, if there were righteous. And so did God keep his God vindicated the very people that Abraham prayed for. See, there are people who pray for us. And their prayers are a result of God directing us and removing us from places that could potentially bring harm. My vindication, my life and my wife, my marriage, my children, I do not take that lightly. Are the byproduct, the result of our vindication, are the byproduct of the prayers of my pastor and the people in this church. Things that God has kept me from that could potentially become a painful past is the prayers of God's people. So let's close then, because God is a master and removing our past. Psalms 103 verses 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know, there's a thing on the on the computer known as a CC cleaner. It's an internet trace cleaner. And what this cleaner does, it came out many years ago. And what this cleaner would do is it would literally clear off the stash and uh, the cash and the history and, and whatever else that you have uh, browsed on the internet, uh, it would literally clean all of that out so that there would be no trace left. You know what? Some Christians need that. They need, I fasted long enough and I can tell you, I hear people often say, oh, my father spoke to me like that. My mother spoke to me like that. My uncle spoke to me. And they're living their past in the present. It 
It's sad when the domination of the past controls your present and the future. And God says, I can clean that up. I can wipe that off. Obviously, but the Bible says when Abraham returned in the morning, Sodom and Gomorrah had all been burned away. The place had gone up in smoke. No longer recognizable. See, I'm here to tell you God is able to strengthen us to no longer see the past as we have always seen it. Let me, let me be very clear with you in this morning. God is not a, going to carry a magic wand and take the past completely away from you. That would be a violation to his creation. God created you to remember things. And so to say that God is going to completely, the Bible says God will not remember it anymore. But nowhere in the Bible does God say that we will not remember it. So in essence, we potentially will remember of the things that have happened. It's psychological. It is only logical and rational for us to remember. I remember things that have happened to me as a child. I just got a haircut. My wife cut my hair. <laughs> and I got a cut here. And this happened because I had a fall when we were on a holiday and we had to switch it. No hair will ever grow again there. But the point is that the truth is in essence to all of I remember. Who am I kidding? I remember what happened. So I will be telling you a lie if I told you God is just going to completely remove it. It's a lie. You will remember your past. But you can change the way you look at it. In other words, God will change the way we see it because he will strengthen us to see it from a different lens. Yep. So yes, I messed up. But thank God I messed up because it brought me to where I am now. Thank God that happened because I found out something about God that I would have never found out unless that happened. And it's always the strength to see the way God sees it. And I believe this morning, deliverance, as I close, deliverance lies in accepting what God says of our past. Listen to me carefully. Deliverance lies in accepting what God says of our past. Recognizing and regretting it is not going to be enough to be delivered. Many people say, oh, that past has happened to me and I've had an abusive marriage. Or my children have betrayed me. My children have abused me. My children walked away from me. And on and on and on. The past is different for everybody. But beloved, I want to give you a word of deliverance this morning. If you would begin to accept the past according to God's 
life and word. Yeah. You would call it for what it is. Instead of recognizing and just regretting it. Instead of just simply saying, oh yes, I've done wrong. I made a mistake. I have said the wrong thing. I have acted the wrong way. Yeah. You can you can identify it, you can regret it, you can recognize it all you want. But until you bring it according to God's word. No, God said this about and see this whole life. That's it. God said that my abusive relationship, this was not right and this was not right. God said that and that's all there is to it. You will fit what God says to your heart. Not what you regret and what you feel. But you will fit what God says about your heart into the past. I'm telling you that you can be true. The children of Israel as they left Egypt. The Bible tells us the story so profoundly and so disappointing. They arrived the Red Sea. The Bible tells us they look back. When they look back, what did they see? They saw the Egyptians coming down against them. Hides, they were coming, pursuing them. They had nowhere to go. Nowhere. The sea is in front of them, the Red Sea. God spoke to Moses and God said, God will fight the battle for you. I declare to you that in the same way that God fights the battle for Moses and for the children of Israel, God instructed them this very profound truth and God says, go forward. Go forward. Accept what I told you about the Egyptians. I will destroy them. Except what I told you about the people that have held you slaves and bonding home. Except what I said. The battle is mine. It is accepting what God says. Then he says, go for Go for And as soon as they heard those words, the moment they took a step, it, was, it, it went against all logic, it went against all emotion. There was indeed a tension, but I tell you, the moment they stepped forward, the sea happened. The same was true with Paul. A man of murder, a man who was known to persecute believers. He arrived in Martha, got off the boat on the beach, preparing some of the fire, the, the wood for fire. The Bible tells us that a viper, a serpent, jumped out of the wood and bit him. The people that surrounded him knew that anyone who was bitten by a snake was a murderer. So immediately the people that were around him turned around and said, look guys, this is a murderer.
Right future, credible destiny is God. 